This is the daily lectionary comments for September the 21st. We're going to look at uh, Nehemiah portions of chapter 5 and chapter 6, where we see the deplorable conditions of the people and how they're being taken advantage of into these difficult times, and also how the enemies of God's people are continuing to try to shut down this rebuilding of the wall. Then we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul talks about the dangers of false doctrine and the importance of true doctrine. All right, Nehemiah five and six but before i get to the specifics of a reading i want to continue to discuss the, the general circumstances of the return it it was 55 years after the destruction of the temple when cyrus the great said to all those uh, who had been exiled by the babylon by the babylonians now that he's conquered babylon you may return to the lands from which you were exiled. And about 50,000 Jews returned to Judea. Now, a comment on the word Jew. That word doesn't, it isn't, it either isn't used at all or almost never used until the exile. It became used to refer to those in exile in Babylon who came from Judea. So it was a shortened form of those who came from Judea. So the, the, the people from Judea in exile in Babylon used it to describe themselves and was also used by the Babylonians to describe them. So you might say this, Judeans went into exile and Jews returned from exile, okay? So when we're hearing about the Jews, we're hearing about those who had been ex in exile and now are returned. These are the ones who went through that fiery trial uh, that God required of his people. <clears throat> okay. The first Jews to return uh, were led by a man by the name of Sheshbazar, who was an older guy. He was the first governor uh, to return with the returning exiles, the Jews. And then Zerubbabel, a much younger fellow, who was in the line of David. Sheshbazar uh, began laying the foundation of the temple. This is one of the first things that the people went after. Uh, and then Zerubbabel took over as governor when Sheshbazar died, presumably. Uh, so he, he took over successor to Sheshbazar, Zerubbabel did, and completed the, the, the temple. Now, the construction of the temple and its, its foundations and all of that was similar to the walls. In other words, there was a lot of opposition from the people, the locals, and so on. And all of this happened between 533, when the first set of 50,000 Jews returned, and the temple was finally finished in, in 516 BC. This is all related in Ezra chapter 1 through 6. Now, it's a bit confusing, but Ezra wasn't there. Ezra didn't come for... Well, he didn't come for another, I don't know, 60 years or so. So, so he, but Ezra in his work describes the earlier group that had come and had laid the foundations and built the temple. After the temple was done, it was about 60 years, as I said, before actually Ezra showed up. Now, Ezra showed up in a second wave of people who had come from Persia and are now uh, settling into Jerusalem and Judea. Ezra came in 458 BC, 
And then about 14 years later, Nehemiah came, okay? So Nehemiah uh, has come more or less by himself. He wasn't alone, but, but it wasn't a wave of people that came back. So, all right, so Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, I should go back and, and comment on the first wave of people with Zerubbabel and all. There are two prophets that are very important there. You can read uh, some of the additional stuff that was happening among the people and the preaching that was happening. That's Haggai and Zechariah. We're both preaching and teaching in Jerusalem during the time when the temple was being rebuilt. Now, jump forward 60 years, Ezra comes. Another 14 years, Nehemiah comes, and Nehemiah and Ezra overlapped. Now, let's talk about these two guys. Ezra was a priest. Ezra returned to Jerusalem from Persia in order essentially to conduct a, a religious reformation and revival of the people in Jerusalem. Ezra's concern is spiritual. His concern is the proper operation of the temple. His concern is the proper teaching of the law of Moses. His concern is that the law of Moses be followed by the people. His is a thoroughly religious renovation. Ezra's concern is that the things that we read about in First and Second Kings and the end of Chronicles that resulted in the destruction of, of, uh, of Judea and Jerusalem and the exile, that those things not happen again. So Ezra is preaching and teaching and trying to make sure that the people are following the law of Moses so that what happened before will not happen again. That's Ezra. It has been traditionally thought that Ezra may have been the author of Chronicles. We don't know that. It's possible. Now, Nehemiah came 14 years after Ezra. Ezra was still there, so he came 14 years after Ezra came. Nehemiah is not a priest. He's a layperson. And he came for the purpose of rebuilding the walls and essentially uh, reinvigorating Jerusalem and reconstructing it. And that's what he's all about. And that's what we're reading about here. Note all of the organization that Nehemiah does. He, he is, is busy uh, organizing the people to rebuild the walls, also organizing the people to defend themselves, and then see also what happens in our lesson today when he learns that the, the people who were left in the land uh, are being terribly taken advantage of. They've been being taken advantage of for 55 years before the Jews returned. They're still being taken advantage of. They're overly taxed. Their properties are mortgaged. They, they are losing their sons and daughters into slavery. They are losing their property because those who have are taking all that they can get. And Nehemiah kind of scornfully says, you know, we were sold to the nations uh, and, and now God has freed us and sent us back. And now you rich people, you nobles and officials are basically selling our own people back to us in slavery because of debts. So Nehemiah initiates uh, some reforms to make sure that the poor people keep their land and can eat and uh, can enjoy uh, life in, in, uh, in the promised land as, as they have. So uh, Nehemiah, of course, is, is very involved in the organization, political, physical organization of the people. And so Ezra 
is religious reformation. Nehemiah is building and political and social reorganization. Uh, and these all happened uh, in, in, in the second wave uh, that, that started in 458 and then Nehemiah came out in 444. So in other words, this is well after, this is 60 and 70 years after the temple was rebuilt. So this period of resettling Jerusalem and Judea is taking a long time. The Babylonians really did a number on the land and uh, and slowly um, uh, the 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 uh, Jewish um, uh, grip on on the on the land and in life in the land is slowly returning. At First Timothy chapter four, Timothy, as I mentioned before, is a pastoral epistle. It's not Paul writing to a congregation; it's Paul writing to the pastor of a particular congregation. In this case, Timothy is the pastor, probably one of many pastors. Maybe we'd say that the head pastor, I don't know, it doesn't say, but, but he's a pastor in Ephesus, in that congregation. Paul had once upon a time pastored that congregation also. Now, he's giving advice and counsel to Timothy as a pastor. Yesterday, he gave counsel on what sorts of people ought to be ordained, hands laid upon and ordained them into a position like Timothy has. And he tells them some of the qualifications of such a person. Now, in chapter 4, I want you to note how important um, doctrine, teaching, is in Paul's exhortation to Timothy. It's, it's ab- absolutely central. He begins by talking about, in the latter times, um, uh, uh, some uh, will, um, will fall away uh, from the faith. He's warning about that. Uh, they will depart from the faith. They'll follow false teachings. And uh, uh, they'll do things like uh, uh, demand abstinence and forbid marriage and forbid the eatings of certain kinds of foods and so on like that. In other words, the kinds of things that have a religious look that seem like they're very spiritual, but they have nothing to do with faith and nothing to do with the kingdom of, of God. And so Paul is very concerned that the people not be confused or misled by these things. He, he, he commands Timothy to be a good servant of Christ. And listen to some of the expressions he uses in verse 6. He talks about uh, being trained. Uh, Timothy needs to be trained in the words of faith and sound doctrine. The words of faith, the particular things that words that we use and expressions that we use to communicate what we believe, sound doctrine. He says, guard yourself, verse 7, guard yourself in godliness. In verse Uh, In verse 13, he says, devote yourself to, one, the public reading of Scripture, two, exhortation, three, teaching. It's interesting. That's exactly what we do in our public worship today. We have the reading of Scripture, exhortation, in other words, preaching, and then teaching, explaining all of this. And then um, uh, in verse 16, he, he advises Timothy, keep close watch over your teaching and life because these people the people in the church are going to be assaulted with false teachings ridiculous ideas it's the same today as it ever has been and if churches do not have sound preachers if if churches don't have sound doctrine in our church we have a whole set of confessions that explain what it is that preachers should be preaching and teaching 
if preachers are not taught in the scriptures and know what the word means and are and are very diligent in teaching it then the people are just ripe for the picking and and they will depart after all kinds of things that seem wise and seem interesting and seem spiritual and one of the primary obligations of a pastor uh, here in First Timothy is to guard the congregation against this sort of thing. Prepare them by good teaching so that they'll recognize the difference between what is sound, godly, apostolic teaching and preaching and what is not. All right, so that's enough of First Timothy chapter 4.